You're listening to the City Light Sermon Podcast, where we are equipping you to exalt Jesus and extend the kingdom of heaven right where you are. Thanks for joining us. We are uh, today talking about Pioneer. It's actually our feature for today. That's our focal. Uh, one of our own artists, Kelton Cox, designed all of the art for this. So you'll see even behind me, Pioneer. I was out west taking pictures of mountains, and I was sending him pictures every day because just his fellow artists seeing what God created compared to what we created, and God won every day with all the national parks. But uh, I, I, when Kelton did this, the line image, I was like, man, that's just amazing. I love it. It really resonates with me. And he's like, I was inspired by the picture you sent me. I'm like, yes, that's what I saw. That, that's literally what the painted desert in some ways, those mounds look like at the Petrified National Forest, but they're not those golds and blacks, but uh, they're purple and grays. But it's so beautiful. But we're talking about Pioneer today, and uh, the point of this is we were thinking about what we would talk about for Easter, and of course you talk about the resurrection, but I couldn't, I couldn't get over the fact that Jesus didn't just pioneer life after death, he pioneered life. And he didn't just pioneer life, he pioneered birth too. And not only did he pioneer birth, he also pioneered death. And so that's not in order right now, but I couldn't help but think he did all those things. Now, if you're not familiar with the word pioneer, or uh, when I spent time with the Navajo out in New Mexico, if I would have said pioneer, that's not a super great name and word and title for them because the pioneers, white-skinned men, came and took their land. So I don't mean pioneer in that way. But what I do mean is pioneer. And so this is just a definition because I'm going to say it a lot this morning about what pioneer is. But here's the definition. I put two definitions together and then I tweaked it just a little bit. So it's kind of our original definition for this morning. But a pioneer is somebody who goes before. So when pioneers in, in, our, in our country would go from a state to an unknown area, they would go into new land and new territory and try to secure that place. So to go before and prepare an open way for somebody. And that's not even a, that's not a biblical or spiritual definition. That's just what a pioneer is known as in our, in our culture. It's a person who is the first one to enter and to settle a region, opening it for entrance and expansion by others. That's what a pioneer does. They go ahead and, and secure things so that people can, behind them, enter in. And it's not, it's not enough, by the way, just to enter into that place, but they're literally supposed to cultivate it, expand do something with it. And a pioneer's vision is not just to go alone and get into a place and do something, but it's literally to make space for other people. And so I couldn't help but thinking about the historical understanding of pioneer. And I was like, man, my Jesus did that. Oh my goodness, my Jesus did that. Like he, he, he literally, when I watch him, I just see like, man, if I was in that situation, that's what I would have wanted to do. So when, when people were down and out and beaten up and ridiculed and ostracized because of their skin color or their gender or the situation they were in, the decisions they made or indecisions they made, Jesus went up to those people in their brokenness most of the time. In fact, his very first words, his very first, like if this is called a sermon, his very first sermon, he actually, his opening line was, blessed is the person who, so literally the son of God, if he truly was a son of God, comes out and his first message is, I'm going to tell you who the most blessed person on earth is. That's his opening sentence. About 10,000 people listening that day. It's a pretty good attendance for his first sermon. And he says, blessed is the person who is poor in spirit or is understanding their limitations and is willing to admit it and get help. And he goes on to say that person who really recognizes they can't help themselves but then actually looks to their creator God literally is the most blessed person on earth. So blessing in Jesus' economy is not about possessions, wealth, health. It's about belonging and family. 
so that when things are up or down, fading, spiraling up or spiraling down, you belong and that doesn't go away. And so we say, blessed if you realize you're outside and blessed are you if you realize you're broken and blessed you realize if you're not enough because that is why I'm here, not just to get you to heaven, but I left heaven so that I could bring it to you. That's his first message. And so when I look at Jesus, I'm like, man, you pioneered teaching, you pioneered love, you pioneered compassion, you pioneered justice. He's the pioneer of everything. So I just want to focus on four focal points of his pioneering, though. I'm not going to exhaust it all. The first thing I want to say is that Jesus was the pioneer of birth. He was genuinely the pioneer of birth. Now I believe that God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, created all things. That's not what today's message is, but... Um, I'm not just a, a Bible believer and a Bible reader. I'm, I, I like to think of myself as a scholar and researcher of all things. And therefore, when I talk about creation, I really genuinely believe that God created everything. I really do. And I really do believe that Father, Son, Holy Spirit did it together. I believe it. I believe Jesus truly was, the, in the Latin, it's the word incarnate, which just means that God put on flesh, like the indescribable, invisible, uh, one that is immeasurable, who had no form put on form. And his name is Jesus. But he did this with the birth. I'm going to read from Matthew, and Mar- uh, Matthew, John, and Luke. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, those are the first, um, there's four first books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And these are firsthand accounts watching Jesus for three years. And they write about his life. And Matthew's one of them, and he writes more to a Jewish audience. And he says this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 23, or 20 through 23. You'll see that we have, I think, the biggest Bible in the city with this screen up here if you don't have it on your lap. Says, this is what happens. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, um, appeared to uh, Jesus's dad, even though I know this sounds a little crazy, but Joseph did not have sexual relationship with his wife or his betrothed, which is somewhat like an engagement. It's like a promise ring, like I'm going to get married to you and we we're going to make this happen. But they hadn't yet had sexual intimacy And an angel appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, that was his name, Joseph, son of David, meaning he was in the Jewish line. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Uh, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were promise ring slash engaged to a woman and you had never had sexual relationship with her and she shows up pregnant, (laughs) you need an angel to come to you and say, like, hey, man, it's cool. It's cool. You know, like... (laughs) You know, she didn't, she didn't do anything, and, God's, and you're like, but God, well, I mean, she's pregnant. That's impossible. He's like, I did it. And you're like, it's really hard to argue with you about this. I mean, that's messed up, man. Like, what's the deal, you know? Like, but, I mean, sometimes we read the Bible, and like, oh, that's amazing, the Immaculate Conception and the Virgin. I bet Joseph was so happy. I, I'm not so sure, man. Like, I remember being engaged for six months. If Jerusha came up to me three months and like, babe, I'm, I'm with child. I'm like, but we haven't been with one another yet, so where did that child come from? She's like... God impregnated me. I'm like, I just, I'm just saying, like, at times it's really helpful, and maybe you, you think like this all the time, good, but for some of you who just have Sunday in the Bible categorized into a day and a time and an outfit, and you get into your Christian mode, I really invite you to use your brain to, and think about it, because this was all kinds of crazy and scandalous. Can you imagine? But God's so kind that he sends an angel like, hey, man, this is a great plan. This is good. And my son just got conceived by the Holy Spirit in a virgin's womb. But we better give that guy a little help because he's engaged. And so you got a special thing. Go tell him. So she will bear a son, verse 21. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. So not only is this going to be a private matter for you, it's going to be quite public. Your son's going to do some great things. 
He'll save the people from their sins, all their wrongdoing, all the rebellion, all the brokenness relationally between God the creator and the created will be mended through this man. It's amazing. Talk about expectations, huh? All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. 700 years prior to this moment, if you read through the Old Testament, there are people who God chose to just give understanding and insight, and they would speak to people and say, this is what God's like, and this is what he thinks about things. They were called prophets, and they profited other people who listened. They benefited them. And the prophet comes and said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph is engaged, hears that his wife or his soon-to-be wife is pregnant. They've never had sexual relations. And not only is there going to be a child conceived by the Holy Spirit of God, his name will be Jesus. He's going to save the world from sins. That's pretty high on the uh, to-do list. And his name will be Emmanuel because it will literally be as though, because it was, God is with us. So if Joseph wanted to keep that under wraps and the reputation of his family together, he had to submit to God's plan. But Jesus is literally the pioneer of birth. I mean, this is, this is unprecedented, but he is literally, God chose to do this in his wisdom so that Jesus would not receive the seed, uh, the inheritance, the generational sin of rebellion against God. He would be born of a pure seed of the Holy Spirit. And listen, if you're like, ah, that's hard for me, that's hard for me too. That's mysterious. You sure you believe all that? I just want to say, I've been thinking about this for 25 years. I do believe it, but it took me time. So I don't know where you're at on this, but I can just be, I'm just one voice who says, I believe this. And I don't check my brain at the door. I've tried and I've never been successful at that. John describes this scene like this. In John chapter three, Jesus answered because he was talking with this guy named Nicodemus, who was an absolute scholar. In fact, he was part of In the Jewish religious system, he was part of um, what we would call like the Supreme Court, how we have Supreme Court justices. There was a a special group of Jews who were called the Sanhedrin, and they were Pharisees, which were top dog scholars. But then the best of the best of them were part of the Sanhedrin. And you've got Nicodemus, who was really, really learned, very educated, very successful. When he would walk around, he would wear all the garb. You would know who he is. And he's having a conversation with, with Jesus And Jesus answers him and says, hey, I say to you this, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Because this guy Nicodemus said like, hey, Jesus, you're a really good teacher. The things you say are really profound. How can I inherit eternal life? Which was not just um, like life after death for a Jewish person. It was how do I live the quality that God intended in this life? Quality, depth, and height. And if you have that quality on one day for a Jewish person, you have the potential of having that quality for all days. So Nicodemus is asking a great question. He's like, hey, he's not saying, how do I live the best life now? Because that's, that's kind of robbing this whole beautiful story that God has. Best life now sounds a little too squeaky clean. It wouldn't even be a good movie probably because movies and life has ups and downs and twists and turns and tragedy and forgiveness and love. And best life now is immune from all of those things, which... The scriptures tell us that in this life, it's not going to be easy in that way. So unless you're born of this, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus is trying to basically say there is a birth that you need to have, and it's not the natural birth like you had when you came out of your mother's womb. There's There's a new birth. That's a fleshly birth, but there's a spiritual birth. And he says this in verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill the Lord. I'm sorry. He says in verse 8, the wind blows. I'm sorry. In verse 7. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born in the spirit. 
He's basically saying, like, I know you don't understand this, and the natural birth makes more sense to you, but I'm inviting you to be born again. Listen, what does it mean to be born again? It's me sitting in that seat, literally counting up my most heinous sins in the last two, three months. I don't know why my mind was rolling through that. Maybe that's for some of you. Maybe this morning there was just a sense of uh, almost like a, a gift of empathy in me, and maybe some of you were thinking about your own struggles and your own sins and your own failures, because that's not common for me on a Sunday at all. But certainly I have things I can think through, and if I thought through the most grievous ones, the most embarrassing ones, the most humiliating ones, the most just like, why? Who, who am I? What am I doing? I was thinking about those things, and I think about a rebirth, and I go, oh, I'll take that. That's not saying you get a second chance, because you'd blow that. I'd blow that in a day. He's saying you literally are going to go from a, a rebel outsider, and you're going to be adopted into my family as a son or daughter, and you will never be unadopted. You will never not be my son or daughter when you're born into my family like this. So when I'm sitting there recounting my sins, all I can hear in my spirit is, and I got that one, and I got that one, and I knew you'd be that heinous. Oh, that didn't surprise me. I chuckled when you did that, Chris, and I'm like, stop it. I'm trying to, like, you know, be miserable. And, but when you're reborn, either you're reborn by him or you're not. And for me, if I started to count my record of rights, tried to justify my wrongs, I would end up just really messy and a little bit proud, and then I just have to look around and talk to some of you guys and hear that your sins are worse than mine, and I'd feel a little better about myself. That's not how it works. That would me be trying to one-up you in the flesh rather than saying, hey, we're all united in a death like his and a birth like his. And so I see in Jesus, he does a birth like no one could conceive. And listen, there's so many crazy things in our culture about birth. I was meeting with a friend this last week and I saw this magazine behind me in National Geographic. It blew my mind. My friend's a doctor. So after an hour, I said, hey, how did that happen? And I, I started to talk about sperm and eggs and he's like, you have that totally wrong. And I'm like, okay, well then tell me how that works. I was like, how can this work that a family can literally have an African-American beautiful daughter and a beautiful white daughter and they're twins? How does this happen? And he explained it to me scientifically, which was pretty awesome. I'm like, that's like almost impossible. He's like, well, I guess it's possible. We know about birth, but there isn't a National Geographic cover that talks about a spiritual renewal in birth. But that's something we tend to talk about every week here. Listen, Jesus pioneered birth so you can be reborn by his spirit. It's just good news. It's just great news. Why did Jesus, why was he conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin and all that story? Why did he do what he did? He did that so that we could have hope of actually, in many ways, like a lobster molting their shell, becoming new, or like a lizard or a snake pulling off that old and there's a new that comes. I mean, that's what happens to us. And we had rebel skin, and we had scarred skin, and now we have baby sweet skin, like all these sweet little babies. I can't believe how soft their skin is. And the metaphor will break down because we get worn out and weathered again. And, or like me, you sin worse than you did before you were a Christian. And you go like, what am I? He goes, I budgeted for it. I'm like, man, I don't like accounting. I'm glad you do. And he covers us. So my question for you on our first pioneering point is, have you entered the opening Jesus made so you can be born again? It's just, listen, I don't, if you're here next week, I don't ask closed-ended questions. That is such a straight-up closed-ended question. It's a yes or no. But I just simply want to say, are you born again? And all that means is you go like, oh, my goodness, this life, if it's dependent on me, it just ends in misery and death. Meaning, like, what is this all going to add up to? Or you have the option to say, God, I am poor in spirit. I am bankrupt. Would you do something in me to make me new? And he goes, yeah, I'd love to do that. Thanks for talking to me about it. That's like he's that agreeable. 
Are you born again? It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I want to be born again by your Holy Spirit. And some of you right now are ready for that, and I'm stoked about it. The second thing that Jesus, I see, did, he was the, he's the pioneer of life. So we had that Jesus looking like a baby, but a man, and this is pioneer of life. This is the movement of human beings, the movement of man. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way and I'm the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You might think of that as a jail cell, a gatekeeper, a big bridge, or a blockade. I see that as somebody who went to the bridge, who went to the blockade, who went to the gate and kicked it down and said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and you can't get in here besides me, and I've broken down every single thing that keeps you on the outside. The life he lived, I mean, Jesus, if you've been here for four years, five years, you've heard me say, Jesus, we believe as uh, theologians, as thinkers about God, we believe that Jesus was the most normal human in history. Common. He wasn't a radical, and he wasn't a rebel, because if he was a radical or rebel, God could not be the focus of his life, because that means he went to his father and said, I'm going to rebel and be a radical. He was a follower. He was a truster. He was normal. So when Jesus lived his life, he's like, listen, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you what's true. And when you're doing these things, you're going to feel like you're living life. That's how it comes down to it. That's what it's like. He gave his life in sacrifice in every way. A guy named Paul wrote about Jesus, and he wrote to this church called Ephesus, in an area called Ephesus, and he says, Jesus, though he was God, didn't consider exercising and, and doing the things that God could do being unlimited. He didn't consider those things something to do. Instead, he looked at humanity and said, I'm going to make myself lower than every human and I'm going to serve them to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the normal human life. It lives extending itself for others. It's just what it does. I love watching movies. Movie Pass has now made it possible for me to watch lots of movies all the time. And I just saw the movie Annihilation. Uh, if you haven't seen I'm going to ruin a little bit for you. I don't apologize because it's been out long enough. I'll, I'll make it real quick, okay, because I see you want to see it. I'll just say this. I don't want to ruin it for you because I don't like when people do that for me. But I, that's why I see them real fast. We know this story, but for somebody to live their life and risk death so that other people can live, that's all I'm giving away. That may or may not happen in the film, okay? <laughs> we are so familiar with this, and Jesus literally lived his life unto death so that other people could live. And we'll just move past that movie because I don't want to ruin it anymore. But it could be something like that. Good communication right here. That, that changed. See, Darrell, things change, man. Things change. He just walked back in. Ultimately, Jesus is the pioneer of life. Jesus pioneered life so you can live like he did. We're not trying to live up to Jesus or act like Jesus. We get to live like Jesus, which ultimately, if I had to boil it down, what was normal about Jesus? Well, he just trusted his dad. He had a great family relationship. And his dad was wise and he trusted his dad. And at times, he even asked his dad questions about his dad's plan. But that's what we think is normal. It's just trusting God. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean you have to check your brain at the door. When Jesus, the night before he was crucified, so Friday night after the Last Supper, when he goes to pray, he is suffering so much so that he is agonizing down on the ground and he is praying. He says, Abba, Abba, which is what one of these little babies, when they get a little older, will just say, da, 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 da. He's like, dad, dad, dad. He's using like immature, but very mature familial language, but like youthful. And he's like, dad, dad, I know you can do anything. And he's thinking about having to go to the cross. He's thinking about taking the weight of all of our rebellion and justice being served on him. And he says, could you make another way? 
Couldn't we save humanity? Can't we bring all of them back in the family a different way? I mean, that's, that's a trusting child being real and honest, not checking his brain at the door. And something happens within that conversation that right after this, Jesus says, hey, dad, not my will, but yours be done. He's like, but I trust you. You've heard my heart. I know you hear me. I know you see me. And so if that's still the way, I'll do it. So like that, that's a model of life. Yeah, walking on water and all, but being honest. Forget about walking on water. That's cool. I've tried to do it. I've failed every time so far, but I've definitely succeeded in being honest and, and believing that God sees me and hears me. So Jesus pioneered life so we could live life like he did. So have you entered into the opening Jesus made so that you could live life like his? I'm reborn, and then I live life like his. That's the expectation. Come on, Timber. We can do this. The next thing is image is uh, the pioneer of death. Jesus genuinely is the pioneer of death. Now, he didn't become that, but that's one of my favorite pieces by Kelton, so I said I'm going to add that to the list of three. In John chapter 11, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, uh, so Jesus' really good friend Lazarus dies. Uh, there's a bigger story behind it, but um, Jesus' good friend Lazarus dies, and he shows up to where he's dead, and this is one of Lazarus's sisters, and she says, hey, Lord, and not like Lord as in like God, but like master, like a term of respect. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she has an expectation that this man who had a pioneering birth and a pioneering life could have pioneered death she had this anticipation that it could happen. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That's some pretty hefty expectations. And Jesus said to her, your brother's going to wake up. Your brother's going to come out of the grave. Now, he'd been dead for three days at this point, wrapped up like mummified in a tomb. Martha said to him, yeah, I know that it'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day, meaning like one day the Jews believe, and if you go to Jerusalem, you'll see tons and tons and tons and tons, and I mean, so beautiful, but coffins above the ground with a um, concrete lid all around the Temple Mount because they believe that when the Messiah comes, they'll rise first. And so she's referring to that. And Jesus says to her, hey, check this out. I'm actually the resurrection and I'm the life. Whoever believes in me, though you might die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Sweetheart, do you believe this? And she's like, yeah. I believe that you are really the one that God sent named Christ, the sent one of God, the son of God who is coming into the world. You see, Jesus was the pioneer of death, not only for Lazarus, because Lazarus comes out of the grave, but Jesus came out of the grave. So he died on the cross, three days dead, Buried before sunset on Friday, risen by sunset on Sunday. In the Jewish time, that really is technically three days. I have my, my brother-in-law who never checks his brain at the door. He's like, hey, Chris, that's actually two nights and kind of like barely three days. Why do we always say three days? And I'm like, well, let me tell you about Jewish clocks and how it all works. So it's technically for them three days dead. I love how Darrell said, you're not the first to die but you're the first to rise. The first and only that can truly give us hope inside. Pioneered perfection, not just morality, but relational. Pioneered of my faith and pioneer forever and pioneer of my rescuing, bring me back into the family. I love it. I love it. Hopefully you've all seen Stranger Things. I'm not gonna make eye contact with you because the second season's out, so you should have seen all of them if you haven't seen them already. We good? Okay. This character, um, this character 11, she's the one in the middle, like with the hand and the cool haircut. 
she decides to go and face death and in season one, she dies and risks it all. Just ruined the whole season for you. I won't tell you what happens in season two, but it's a lot like today. So Jesus, <laughs> but you don't have to wait because you can watch season two now. I don't get paid by Netflix, I promise. Jesus pioneered death so that it would no longer define you. That's why he did it. Because death is all kinds of scary. It's all kinds of scary, but it doesn't have to be anymore. That's what he was trying to tell Martha. That's what Lazarus found out. That's what we're finding out. That when we have a new birth, we live a new life and we don't have to fear death because death is literally a door. Have you entered the opening Jesus made by his death so that the grave can become a door to life? And listen, these aren't individual things like um, point one, yes, point two, no, point three, maybe. These are all, it's all the same thing. I'm just, I'm just pointing out different things that he pioneered. Jesus, one of my favorite words to describe him is he's just thorough. He didn't miss a thing about you. He didn't miss a detail about you and me. The last thing that I see that he pioneered, he pioneered new life. He pioneered new life. And Kelton and I had a lot of arguments about what the, uh, the like resurrected human being would be. We definitely decided a loincloth of sorts would be worn. <laughs> um, but the glory of man, and I, I actually said, this is when I was 20 pounds heavier. I was like, I don't know that the glorious man would be really ripped. You know, I think he would have a little bit of weight on him, a little bit of love handle. So that, that didn't make the cut, but this is just glorious. But that's the picture of new life, resurrected and happy and joy, Luke 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, the, uh, Jesus' friends went to his tomb to pay respects and they were taking spices because the body would, well, it would reek, it would be, it would be dead for three days and it would smell. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. By the way, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you know, you think of a huge, like the tomb entrances are only, it's almost a little bigger than a doghouse entrance for most of them. And then you go in, it's like a very claustrophobic little room because it's just for a dead body. So when you move that stone away, uh, just imagine that rolled away and it's open, which shouldn't have happened. It should have been sealed and guarded. But when they get there, they didn't find the body of Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, which is angels. Again, God being so kind, so we understand things. You know, Joseph, this is gonna be hard for you, so I'm gonna bring comfort of angels so you get the message. And these people are going like, whoa, where did Jesus go? Did we get duped? What happened? Did he get stolen? The angel's like, hey, God knew this was gonna be tricky for you, so he sent us to let you know a little something. They were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground, Jesus' friends, and the men said to him, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. He's playing hide and seek, so go find him. He's up. He's awake. Paul says it like this when he writes to this church in this area called Corinth. He says, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, if anybody is born by him and anybody lives with him, not trying to justify yourself, but you're just doing life with him because you know you belong. So you believe what he believes and you build and do life the way he does it. I'm born by him, I live by him. I recognize that death is not the end, but it is actually a, a fresh beginning where I will shed the old in a sense. And Paul says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. That literally means in the Greek, in the original language, it means you're an unprecedented version of you. It's amazing. I know that we still, I remember when I, I became a Christian a little later in life, but I was young enough and dumb enough to think that I would get about four inches taller so I'd be better, more effective at professional volleyball and that I would get better looking. And it just has only gotten down from that point. So when you think about the benefits of becoming a Christian or a follower of Christ, don't look to those things, but realize there is a newness in me now. Though my outer, Paul later in the Bible says, though the outer person gets kind of 
aged, the inner person's being renewed every day. More youthfulness inside, more life in me. The old's passed away, the, behold, the new has come. In season two of Stranger Things, 11 comes back from the dead. It's awesome. And we know this because the ego waffles go missing. Just like the tomb. No. Oh my gosh. Jesus pioneered resurrection to new life so that you can become an unprecedented version of you. That's just awesome. And he's not trying to change your personality unless you've got the sinful edges. He wants to sand some of those off for your own benefit and those around you. But he loves the way he made you, loves every part of you. He hears your, your hearts and he knows your struggles. So have you entered the opening that Jesus made by his resurrection so that you too can have hope of the new life beyond the grave? Jesus, I wanted to honor you today and that's why I wanna to talk about you as the pioneer, the one that went before. And I just, I just wanna say, I believe that you went before in birth, you went before in life, you went before in death, you died my death, I'm so thankful. And I love your resurrection. I love the new life that you've given me. I already taste it and feel and see it. I'm so excited for the upgrade when I shed this, this version. I'm just so excited about it. Everyone dies, but not everyone truly lives. Jesus came that you might live. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate. Jesus pioneered birth. Jesus pioneered life. Jesus pioneered death. Jesus pioneered resurrection so that heaven could enter us and we could extend heaven wherever we are on earth. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please let us know by leaving feedback on our iTunes podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.